Well, I think most of you were here last week when in, my, in, in the context of my sermon, I informed everyone that I've been diagnosed with terminal cancer. We don't have a lot more detail than that. I wanted to give you a quick update because that then leads into what I want to do in our sermon today. Um, we're, we had hoped on Friday to get more detail about the nature of the cancer, and the, that was not available, so we're hoping early this week. We continue to try to identify the specifics so that they'll know how to treat, uh, treat me for this. We thank you for all of the support you all have given, and there are a great many people on Facebook that have poured out uh, their prayers and compassion and uh, concern for us, for me, and for Carolyn. If, by the way, you had not seen that, Carolyn has set up a um, Facebook uh, site, what? room, a room, a Facebook room, where, where she will be providing ongoing, as we learn new things, she will be providing ongoing information. If you had not seen that and would like to sign up for it, you can just talk to Carolyn um, and or um, and she'll give you information about how you can get connected with that. Um, I think it's fair to say that Carolyn and I are dealing well with this at this point. Um, in fact, we, we both can tend to have kind of a dark sense of humor. Everything I've been reading about the uh, cancer is that the first concern you have to have is that you're going to be depressed and you're going to be you know, uh, emotionally upset and you're going to need therapy or you're going to need close friends and everything else. Well, we haven't experienced that at this point. Um, and in fact, we, our dark humor has kicked in because we found out from our uh, financial advisor this week that uh, since I've been diagnosed with a fatal illness, then I'll be able to claim 100% Social Security immediately. Um, and so we heard that and we went, score! You know, that's great! So it's all a matter of perspective and we're doing very well with that. Since I had talked to, to you all last week about the fact that I was suffering from cancer, it made it very difficult to select a sermon topic for this week. It seemed like almost anything would be an anticlimax after that. You know, where do you go from there? Um, I was thinking of doing a short series of sermons on 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, those wonderful letters of the epistles of John late in the, the New Testament. Carolyn was pushing me very hard to do a series on the book of Romans. And the reason for that was I told her that Karl Barth, the great theologian of the 20th century, he spent, I think it was 20-some years, teaching the book of Romans on a weekly basis. So her thought was, if I started the book of Romans, she knows I wouldn't want to stop before I finished, and so that, she thought I'd be around a lot longer that way, so we'll, we'll find out. Um, I may, I, I, actually I'm going to be talking from Romans today, but not, you know, not doing the whole series, but uh, I did decide finally on a follow-up to last, sermon, uh, last week's sermon, and you may have noticed in the bulletin that the title of today's sermon is Everyone dies, start now. Based on some things that I've been learning and considering since my diagnosis, uh, a few years ago, then this, this made me think of something I saw a few years ago. There was a routine by a comedian, and he had just turned 40 years old, and this comedian said that having just turned 40, he realized that he had to go up to that big board which constituted his plans for life and start taking things off. He said, you know, I turned 40, I had to go up and say, okay, I'm probably not going to become a professional basketball player. And now that I'm 40, I'm probably not going to win a mixed martial arts championship. 
And now that I'm 40, I'm probably not going to win a Nobel Prize, which was a goal I had, and probably that's because I've never studied any of the disciplines for which they give Nobel Prizes. Um, And the idea that he reached a point where circumstances caused him to have to rethink all the long-term ideas that he'd had about himself, um, that's very much some things I've been going through as well. My perspective on a lot of things have changed as we've gone along. Um, The idea that the passage of time and circumstance always cause us to change our expectations for ourselves and our future. Most of us at our age will not begin to take up, you know, the high jump. Even though I I high, believe it or not, I high jumped in high school. Um, And so I recently found myself in the situation, same situation as that comedian, thinking about what my future would be and based upon what goals I'd had. Now, I had not intended to play pro basketball or fight in the mixed martial arts ring, um, but I did have some long-term, over-the-horizon kind of goals. Things like my sort of long-term dream to finish my studies and to get a doctorate, either a PhD or a Doctor of Divinity, um, purely so that I could be called doctor, which is something I always wanted to have. Um, Some people on board the ships did call me doctor. Most of them call me professor. Um, There there are, and some of you might be surprised by this, there are still some places I would like to visit in the world. (laughs) We've been a lot of places. I've visited over 100 countries. Uh, A lot of that was before Carol and I even met. And yet there were some places I would like to have been able to go to. In fact, the illness has caused me to have to cancel my lecture uh, trip I was scheduled in 2019 to go on an around-the-world private jet tour that I would lecture on that went to Machu Picchu and and Angkor Wat and Taj Mahal and Easter Island and, you know, Marrakesh, Petra, you name it. Well, I had to cancel that, which you can be sure that I really am sick, (laughs) okay, Um, because that was a free trip to visit all those places, so I'm not going to do that. And, but there are a lot of other sort of mundane things. You know, I'd been dreaming and planning and collecting photographs to build an outdoor kitchen, which Carolyn was not especially thrilled about. And why would I keep planning for that and thinking about that if I'm not going to be long, around very long to use it, we don't think? Uh, why do I keep things on my Amazon wish list, which are long-term kind of uh, dreams like all that motorcycle gear that I have on my wish list thinking that I wanted to, to get another motorcycle. I used to ride a motorcycle. Every one of those things and many, many others, as I have gone back and looked at them in terms of what my circumstances are now, I realize every one of those things are vanities. That is, there are things I wanted for myself, either because of pride or materialism, you know, who doesn't want a cool motorcycle. Uh, but they were nothing that I needed and nothing that would benefit other people. There's a certain point at which, when you've traveled a lot, you realize traveling is great, it's fun, but how many places can you see? And what does it mean after you've seen them? You have the memories, and that's nice, but how much value can you put on that? I wanted to earn a doctorate because of my pride. I wanted to be called doctor. Always have been, since I was a little kid. I wanted to visit other parts of the world just so I could add them to my list of over 100 countries I've been to. Um, These kinds of vanities are not worth the investment 
that they demand, particularly given my circumstance now, and I'm sure we all have those. Doesn't mean we shouldn't plan, we shouldn't have fun things, we shouldn't you know, enjoy the sort of planning for something, but when you discover that you're dying, and that you have a limited time, although we don't know how much time that is yet, um, it changes the way you look at those things. It changes your values about what's important. You know, what do I need to keep on my wish list? Because after all, we are all dying. You know that. Every one of us. We may have a month or six months or a year or ten years, but we are all dying with or without a cancer diagnosis. As they say, humanity has a 100% fatality rate. So why do I still hang on to all those old values, the things that I thought were important, that I wanted? Why do any of us still desire the material possessions and all of the rest of it, the vanities as I call them, as though they had some eternal value when we disregard eternal things as though they had no value at all. A, a very wise man, a missionary who was killed in South America, once said, why would I give up the thing that I cannot lose in order to gain the thing that I cannot keep? In other words, where is our value? All of those things are going to be gone. The memories are going to fade, you know, motorcycles rust. All of those things are temporary. But there are eternal things that we're supposed to be focused on. Especially as Christians, it is important that we focus on those eternal values because Jesus himself instructed us to die to self. He told us, in fact, if we are not willing to die to self for his sake, then we are not worthy to be called his disciples. That means we are to reject the values of the world and understand that the true values, the eternal values, are not what the world usually recognizes. They're not the things you put on your Amazon wish list. We are to instead live in and for him. Paul, in Romans 7, said, For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused the, the law here at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we may serve in the new way of the Spirit. There's the old way and the new way, and Jesus calls us to the new way. In fact... He says to us that unless we are willing to take up our cross daily, the cross is an implement of execution. It is an implement of death. Unless we are prepared to take up, meaning voluntarily, our own deaths every day and follow him, then we are not worthy to be his disciples. I want to also give you a verse, sort of the center verse for this, and we can put this one up. This is from Romans 12, so Carolyn got her way. I am teaching from Romans here. Romans 12, the first two verses say, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We are to willingly take up our cross, the implement of our own death, every day to follow Jesus. We are to offer our bodies, which really means all of us, as a living sacrifice. Now, living sacrifice. I once heard a teacher, a biblical teacher, a Bible teacher say, the problem is we've got all of these Christians around the world who are doing everything they can to crawl off the altar. You know, to not allow themselves to be a living sacrifice. But here the Apostle Paul says very plainly, we should not wait on circumstances, a cancer diagnosis or anything else, to cause us to realize that we are to die to ourselves, that we are to have values the rest of the world does not understand, and that we should always be reevaluating our goals and our priorities according to those heavenly values. Now, the dying to self that we're told to do began when we were saved. The point at which we said, yes, Lord, I believe you, I love you, I commit to you, take my life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said once, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. Of course, for Bonhoeffer, that took on special meaning because he was a martyr to the Nazis in the Second World War. But it's true. Jesus says, I want you to come and follow me. And in the process, I want you to die to yourself. So I think because of that, we were supposed to have died at our baptism. We then, given our human nature, we must continue to try to regain that willingness to sacrifice ourselves on an ongoing way. We have to be proactive. We have to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, willing to die to self so that we can be alive in Christ. That's the meaning of the title of today's sermon. Everyone dies, start now. We all need to see that our values are probably upside down. And once we realize we really are dying, whether it's going to be in a month or in 30 years, As Christians, we need to reorder our values, to deny ourselves, to give up our lives for Jesus. We should not have to wait for life circumstances to force us to reevaluate our goals and priorities. If you have an Amazon wish list, go home and look at it and ask yourself, what does this say about what I'm valuing in my life? We should take up our cross daily. We should evaluate what in us needs to die to serve Jesus. And the interesting thing is, I have found it a great relief to not have to worry about those things. To not have to think about, you know, how many years can we go before I have to have the house repainted? Carolyn may be left with that problem, but it's not one that I have to face. And so, it really does make life simpler and easier when we turn our values around and think of them as the values Jesus gives us and not what our worldly motivations give us. It clarifies everything. I encourage you to try it. Start dying now. Amen.